Poya. This is Robbie. Welcome to Uncharted. And thanks for joining us again. All right, welcome back to another episode of the Uncharted podcast. We're really excited uh, to have Amy DeRoss joining us today as CEO of Vanetti. Uh, Amy, thank you so much for, for joining us. Oh, really excited to be here, Robbie. Thanks for having me. Yeah, awesome. No problem at all. Thank you to Shannon Goggin, a former uh, guest on the podcast for the introduction. Well, Amy, um, let's start with the beginning. Um, tell us about where you grew up, what was it like where you grew up, and maybe a little bit about like your family and your upbringing. Yeah, no, great. I, I come from a long line of people in government. So I'm one of those sort of rare breed Washingtonian natives. Washington, D.C. was my uh, was where I was born and raised and inside the Beltway, very nerdy, very politically oriented, lots of social justice discourse at the dinner table. And I really didn't know any difference. That was my whole world growing up. Uh, we got very involved as a family in patient advocacy quite early, spent a lot of time barnstorming Congress, testifying before Congress, marching, you know, really, um, I'd say shaking the lapels of Congress uh, men and women to uh, encourage them to support uh, additional NIH funding, basic translational research funding, more awareness and opportunity for informed consent, protected clinical trial participation. So I did a lot of work early on, it really with a, a focus on patient advocacy. That's where I got my start. Awesome. Well, Poya, is this ringing any bells for you? You had an early start in politics got, right out of college. I know. My, I, I got a smile. So I, I, got, <laughs> I, was, I was in Eastern Market right out of college. I thought I was going to go into, in, into politics that the whole... Uh, internship and then at the LA thing. And then it, I couldn't hate it more once I got to Capitol Hill. So I got to ask though, the one, the one thing I did learn is how to manage some of the political thing of like the poli sci world. And mm -hmm. anytime I have to use that in my day-to-day -day corporate world, like it actually, like there's some transferable skills. I would love to know from your experience, how have you been able to kind of use those skills in the world of business and what you do today? Like, what are some of the transferable skills you learned in Washington, D.C. or in the world of public policy that you've transferred over? That's a great question. And actually, my current company, Vanetti, we, are, uh, we have a very interesting, very diverse syndicate. So the political uh, discourse, and that was, again, my sort of, uh, growing up uh, environment really does transfer. We have big pharma, we have distributors, we have pure financial players, we have growth investors, um, we have thought leaders. And so everybody comes with uh, their own agenda. Sometimes there's overlap among agendas, but there's always a distinctive kind of unique quality to everybody's perspective and, and, and hopes for the company and hopes for cell and gene therapy where we play. So I do think there's a lot of, in terms of trying to promote wherever we can, a level of consent and, and alignment. Uh, often we don't have full alignment. So how do you manage through that? That's again, the only way that Washington works right now is, is incredibly fractured. There is no such thing as alignment. So I think, uh, I think there's a lot to understanding agendas and perspectives and really trying to build a point of, of view that 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 finds as much alignment as possible. And that really is sort of at its core what politics is all about. 
Yeah, that's that's really well said. I I, I want to fast forward, Amy, a little bit to we're going to skip over a couple of the earlier stages in your career, all the way to when you're a managing director at GE Ventures, working on Sand Hill Road. And you spend some time, I think this is sort of an unconventional path of sort of working in the uh, venture capital world and then becoming a founder. You often see sometimes those things work in reverse order. And I know you had operator experience before being on the investor side, but tell me a little bit, I'd, I'd love to maybe just learn that looking back on the four years of GE Ventures um, with the benefit of hindsight, What's maybe like one of the investments or even like maybe one of the categories that you were maybe proud to sort of be like an early participant in or you stay kind of close to because of uh, the early bet that you made when you were a GE? Yeah, well, that's such an easy answer, Robbie. Thank you for giving me that question. It's it's the company that I'm focused full time on today, Vanetti. So the reason I went, you know, I, I had spent a lot of time crisscrossing Sand Hill Road on the sell side of building equity of uh, uh, syndicates for companies uh, before I joined the venture side of the house. I did it because it was the first time in the history of General Electric, which of course, you know, was Thomas Edison's company. It's a 150 plus year old company. It was the first time they'd ever uh, experimented with a venture platform. And it was half equity investing, half new business creation for lots of different sectors that really reflected the broader portfolio of the of, of General Electric company. I was purely focused on healthcare. Obviously, my whole career has been about personalized precision um, medicine. And, and the opportunity was really to leverage a huge behemoth, you know, a huge company's channel access and all sorts of resources and trading and all sorts of information. It was just an unbelievably, it was the antithesis of a Silicon Valley garage. It was really remarkable and and the opportunity to to define problem statements and then bring the the full weight um of a, of a company like general electric to help inform if in, in fact there were a solution what that solution would really look like and 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 then really for me my passion is was it an independent company so i think i went to ge always with the thought hey it'd be really fun to be an investor and see what it's like on the other side of the table with a remarkable group of colleagues. And what I quickly discovered is that I'm not a native investor. I really wanted to leave with the teams that were pitching and go solve the problems with them that they were so passionate about. Um, and so was fortunate to have enough flexibility in the venture platform as it was established, it was really also to promote independent company incubation. And, and so that problem statement around personalized medicine and cell and gene therapy, this next wave of CRISPR-enabled technologies was so fascinating and really had been so long in coming in development, despite the fact that it appears like it might have, uh, like the, the uh, mRNA vaccines happened overnight. It's decades in the making, so I was really fortunate to be in a sort of powerhouse uh, environment like General Electric Ventures when those problem statements came up and we determined there was an independent company to solve solve for one of them, which is yeah. where Benetti comes in. And actually, boy, if you don't mind, I, I want yeah. one quick follow-up to that, because I think, like, you, you talked about crisscrossing Sand Hill Road a lot, and I think that when people think about where the majority of capital that comes from Sand Hill Road goes, I don't necessarily know that their mind goes to, like, cell and gene therapy technology. <laughs> can you talk, Amy, can you talk a little bit about, like, living and operating in this world of, like, technology and SaaS and sort of, like, 
you know, yeah. taking taking anything physical and making it digital as like a business model. How like what is like the underlying community of sort of um, scientific technology and cell and gene therapy in the Bay Area like? Like you're obviously very tapped into that community. Does that exist here in the Bay? Is it spread out globally? Like where is the concentration of talent solving these problems? It's the, I mean, the heaviest concentration still is in the in, in the Bay Area. And it is this mashup. I mean, Andreessen Horowitz um, has been, I think, most vocal about with their bio fund about the, the blending of enterprise, world-class scalable, configurable platforms meets life science problems and bioprocess problems and lots of other folks, uh, not a number of them on in our cap table, Canaan Partners um, is another Section 32, Kasdan Capital. These folks are really changing the paradigm by blending a bunch of formerly disparate domain expertise sets, namely how is software going to solve these incredibly complex life science problems. So I I see it, and now you see outposts. I, I say outposts with a great degree and, and a great deal of, of affection and, and, and admiration, uh, because it's hard to recreate those sort of centers of gravity once you have such a you know a, a disproportionate representation in a in a place like the Bay Area. But in Europe, you're starting to see in the UK a really and 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 really over the last ten years, to be to be honest, a, an opportunity to, again to leverage some deep expertise in the life sciences, but begin to also borrow and and beg from other sectors uh, so that we can leverage enterprise and cloud-based technology to to really shorten and and make more efficient some of the old school or more traditional models of solving problems. So I I think there's a growing, you know, I think there's been a lot of lip service uh, around, hey, we we really are a new hybrid. We our firm really does have it, an entirely new center of excellence around software and around life sciences or or even healthcare IT, sort of what's the next wave of healthcare IT. But you're starting to see more, more real emphasis where there's a lot of blending going on in the firms themselves. And then the, the benefit of that blending is being externalized more and more, which I think is awesome because we all, you know, the way, if I've learned anything about enterprise SaaS and I know a lot about life sciences, it's just it's a continuous investment, continuous evolution. We can always be learning more. We can always borrow from best practice or learnings. It's just, it's a never ending cycle. So more, more it's brain, better. <laughs> it, it, it's a marathon versus a sprint. And it's a, it sounds yeah. like it's a continuous sprint within a big marathon. We'll return after a quick advertisement. When hiring gets hard, you need Indeed, the job site that makes hiring incredibly simple. Just attract, interview, and hire. In fact, with Indeed, you can do all of your hiring in one place, even interviewing. If you're hiring, you need Indeed. Get started right now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at indeed.com scale. That's indeed.com scale. Offer valid through September 30th. Terms and conditions apply. As you were talking, the one area where I went when you talked about vaccines and everything was like, look, from you're talking to two folks that are like completely outside of the world of life sciences and where we get our uh, news is on my cell phone as like as frequently or as proactively as I get. I would love an inside look to like how Vinetti fit into the crazy global supply chain 
and some of the issues, the good, the bad of like <laughs> COVID, COVID vaccination distribution, which some of them are like coming back because of all the craziness. So give us like the insight look. I would just love to like get like how that experiences was, how you fit in and yeah. what were some of the learnings? Like if somebody's going through a crazy time similar to that, like what feedback or suggestions do you have to that leader? Lots yeah. of different questions in there. And I know there it's, are. A no, up, it's a great one. It's a really meaty one. Thank you for serving it up. I mean, it's like um, if you've ever been privy to backstage at a Broadway show or off Broadway show and you see, you know, how much of the the linings and of, of, of the sets and all the cranks and everything that goes on just to, um, you know, to put a production together. Anytime uh, that's really what we saw in this COVID environment, anytime you're put an, an, a bunch of rushing water through old pipes, you're going to start to see leaks. And so both on the testing distribution front and then on eventually the, the vaccine front, we're still, you know, still in, 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 in the mix here. We're by no means out of the woods here in the U.S. even, but certainly in other parts of the world. The, you know, the, the, we, we just weren't prepared, right? And so we had a lot of traditional kind of models that were titrated for a certain amount of scale that's just typical in growing economies or in mature economies. Um, and then suddenly everything was kind of, there was a bit of a chasm, right? Everything was so urgent and there, was, um, there wasn't enough of a feedback loop with regards to supply chain and distribution on what was working, what wasn't working. There was no kind of central source of truth, either in um, you know, individual countries or regions or certainly at a global uh, vantage point, which would have been extremely useful since we all know that you know, there is no isolation to these pandemics. There may be some management that's localized, but overall, we're all exposed in a public health crisis of this magnitude. So, you know, Vinetti was uh, created to really address the highest complexity, highest value, most personalized therapies in the market. And that's the, if you're familiar with Jennifer Duodna won the Nobel Prize for CRISPR technology, which is really gene editing technology that has iterated in excess of Moore's law. It's unbelievable new paradigm, a whole new era of truly personalized medicine. The problem uh, with this new era is that all the old solutions in, in terms of production and delivery were completely not uh, appropriate or sophisticated enough to ensure a level of specificity and personalization so that Robbie, you're getting your therapy and I'm getting my therapy and there's no mix and match of those therapies because that would be probably a deadly event. So ensuring right patient gets right there, right personalized therapy at the right time is what Vinetti does day and night. Um, when you switch to something like the COVID vaccine, which doesn't necessarily have to have a, a level of personalization so that there's a specific dose that is only appropriate for you and not appropriate for me, for example, there's still uh, fundamentally what was exposed was a lack of transparency and a lack of data analytics for that feedback loop. Those two pieces, they go hand in hand, but at a broad scale for you know, less complex, but still therapeutic processes, vaccines, interventions, devices, the, the way the supply chain works is really without the advantage of true transparency and analytics and that sort of cyclical learning that truly intelligent analytics offer to kind of front forward cloud-based technology platforms. So we were asked to advise on a bunch of different projects that were being 
spearheaded by the Rockefeller Foundation, by uh, some of the folks at CDC, and just taking again, we're at the on the spectrum, the most complicated supply chain requirements in the history of medicine. Uh, we deal with the most um, the most complexity, and 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 the COVID was somewhere in the middle because again, the scale was was really compromising all the the sort of typical systems and management processes that were in place pre-pandemic. So I think that it's driven a wedge of consciousness. There's a lot more learning to do to kind of upgrade the broader pharma uh, supply chains to to take advantage of of fledgling and and really you know best in class technologies like like the one we're building at Benetti. Amazing. Thank you, Amy, for that answer. That was <laughs> a really cool behind the scenes look to the world you guys are operating in. I, I spent a couple of years working in supply chain, kind of more on the commercial side at Flexport. And I learned a lot about just kind of how, how challenging, I think, and especially in some regions and for some specific product types, it was to just move cargo around the world and do it in a way that was really transparent and fair and fast and everything. You guys are operating in an environment that is way more regulated, um, way more sensitive. There's a lot more considerations around temperatures and just like, you know, um, speed to, trans to transit. How much of the work are you guys doing? Is it like physical infrastructure work, like thinking about, you know, the, the cars, planes, boats, and automobiles versus like software work? And where do you fit into that landscape? Yeah, great question. Because you know, uh, one of my mentors, Mark Benioff, who's an investor in the company, said there's there's always people at the end of technology, the other side of technology, but technology is the focus. So technology is our meat and potatoes. We aren't, um, strictly speaking, a services or a logistics or cold chain provider. We interact and integrate with all of those key stakeholders in the ecosystem. But what we do is really just the, the, the enterprise software as a service that is uniquely focused on orchestrating the supply chain. And that in there and, and the means by which we do that is something called chain of identity and chain of custody. But that is it. We are we begin and end as a software as a service uh, entity. That's that's all we won't ever be sort of boots on the ground or um, that's just not our expertise. And the more that we focus on this amazingly complex supply chain, the more there is to do. So we're continuously evolving. So we, even if we wanted to take on more um, in the services realm, we, we really just have so much to do and we're excited about solving these problems every day. Um, but you're right, you know, it's, it's, it's part of the, if you think about Venetti as smart plumbing, it's connecting all of these other services and the people on the other side of those services. We're still working hard to kind of build for purpose to meet the services where they are, always keep the patient at the center of the process. You know, I think it, it's, it's, a, it's a continuous evolution. We still have lots more work to do, both in our company and our platform, and then also in, in partnership with the rest of the ecosystem. Awesome. Well, I've got one more, one more question for you. And Amy, I, you know, as I hear this, I think it's interesting as a listener, thinking, speaking from the perspective of somebody who doesn't work in life sciences today, can you maybe talk about what it's like to work at Venetti if you're not 
an expert life sciences person. And like, cause I, cause I hear this and I, I, I talk to a lot of people every day who are on this podcast, especially that talk about making like a big jump or like a big bat in their career towards something that speaks to them a little bit more on a personal level. And you shared so many examples today. And I don't know if there's anything more personal than like personalized medicine and personalized solutions. Right. And, and I guess my, my question is more like, any advice for folks who are listening to this and maybe work in more traditional B2B SaaS that, that would think yeah. about a transition? And is this is it as simple as applying or are there like specific skills that people can develop to, to move more into the world of life sciences software? Yeah, I think so. Number one, and I have such a wonderful example in our CTO, Phil Calvin, who ran the, the platform at Salesforce for a decade. Uh, was a, a serial entrepreneur before that, um, before selling one of his last companies into Salesforce and never played in healthcare before. And he really, this was exactly him. Like he wanted to do something with a, a double bottom line with impact where technology applied was really going to change lives. Not to say that CRM isn't awesome, but to do something that was really germane to, to human health. And what I've observed in him and others like him, uh, others he's recruited in on the developer side and DevOps side, is it, first of all, it takes just curiosity, number one. So knowing and a level of humility. So understanding that there's a lot more to know that you're never going to, just like with continuous uh, improvement and, and build on a SaaS infrastructure, you're never finished, right? It's always a continuous service mentality, you're always going to continuously be learning about the life sciences. And frankly, even if you spent your whole life in the life sciences, that would be a true statement. The other thing I would say that's an advantage, and I've observed it firsthand last five years, is a company that operates like a like Vanetti in a new segment in the life sciences. That's a huge advantage for somebody coming in with not a lot of baseline knowledge. And I say that because even folks who have been in immunology with PhDs are having to relearn some of the basic science as these gene editing techniques are becoming, uh, frankly, more, more mainstream. So, you know, there's a level of if you're going to, if you're really interested in embracing a new sector, new way, you know, a whole new, especially one that's highly regulated, like healthcare, I think if you're fortunate enough to find something that's kind of truly cutting edge or is is really kind of a new way of doing something altogether you're frankly kind of leveling the field a bit because everybody is coming to the table even if they had you know numerous other life science experiences there's still a level of of learning and and that's definitely true for all of us i i'm i'm learning every day and i i've spent my whole life in the sector and so I just get humbled every 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 single day with with more to learn, and so and it, and as long as that inspires you, whether you have a background in life sciences or not, you know, as long as that inspires you and it energizes you, then I think it's a perfect place to go. Yeah, amazing. No, go, going along and being president and continuously learning—that's the—that's the main takeaways from 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 this episode. Well, there's there's so much to talk about, but uh, I think this has just been motivating for all of us to maybe take the jump and do whatever we always wanted to do. And, and kudos to you for paying it forward. The one question we absolutely love to ask everybody as we end the show is: if you could go back uh, to any time in your life, this could be before you began Vanetti. This could even be. In DC, as you're roaming the streets of Wisconsin Street or whatever street we're talking about in DC, like what's one advice you would give your younger self? 
One piece of advice. You know, I think um, really the ability to segregate what you can control versus what you can't and be act an active participation, uh, an active participant in delineating that again on a continuous basis because it changes, but really not sweating the stuff you can't control, you know, and, and I think that's and, and allowing yourself to know that the world is ever evolving. There's a kind of sine cosine to evolution out there. So uh, what today you feel is out of your control may in fact be in your control tomorrow. It may never be. And if it, if the answer is it never is, then just don't worry about it. Just focus on the things you can control. I wish someone had told me that early and often, um, or I was capable of telling myself <laughs> because I would have saved myself. I would have increased my, my sleep uh, diet by a significant margin. <laughs> Well said. Yeah, that's, it's such a good reminder um, to like pull up and remind yourself of that in moments of stress. Yeah. Um, well, this has been so fun, Amy. Thank you for joining us. I, I, the only other question is if folks want to get in touch, if they're interested in career opportunities of Anetti or otherwise, what's the best way to learn about that? Oh, please reach out over email. Um, my name is it's my name plus Benetti. So amy.duross, uh, A-M-Y dot D-U-R-O-S-S at Vinetti, V-I-N-E-T-I.com. Please, uh, please reach out. I'd love to hear from your, your listeners. Be fun. Awesome. Well, thanks, Amy. We appreciate it. Yeah, you guys take good care. Stay well. <laughs> Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye.